This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy transition in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. It's been about 14 months since Russia launched their war in Ukraine. For so many caught up in that conflict, the world changed overnight. It would be heartless for me not to recognize the human toll that that war has wrought. But as this is an energy podcast, I'm going to spend the next 8 minutes discussing the impact that that conflict has had on our space and how amid blisteringly high gas prices, there may be a silver lining towards accelerating our shift towards electrification. Eight minutes. It's how long it takes the sun's rays to hit Earth, or about the length of time that Putin thought it would take to capture Kyiv. Almost 15 months on, and he's still not getting any closer. Let's get it on. The Ukraine war caught Europe by surprise. I'm not talking about the few months leading up to it, but more about the decades of infrastructure development that had created this unfortunate reliance upon Russian gas within the European markets. And it's tough to just turn off that spigot, no matter the moral reasoning behind it. Let's put this into perspective. In 2021, 50% of all Russia's gas supply ended up flowing through six major pipeline systems into Europe. In fact, 40% of Europe's entire gas consumption originated in Russia. By August of 22, Six months after the start of the conflict, Europe's reliance on Russian gas had dropped from 40% down to 17%, which is incredible. But it begs a couple of questions. First, why is Europe still buying Russian gas? Aren't there sanctions on the import that prohibits European countries from doing any buying of Russian gas? Well, it's not quite so straightforward. For one thing, some European countries such as Hungary and the Slovak Republic continue to freely purchase gas from Russia, having not signed on to the sanctions in the first place. But even countries like Germany, which used to far and away be the largest importer of Russian energy, they found it difficult to fully cut off the gas flows. For one thing, the continent still relies primarily upon gas for heating during the cold winter months. There was real consternation heading into this past winter as to whether Germany and other countries would be able to keep enough gas flowing to keep homes warm. Fortunately, the winter proved to be very mild, reducing the need for big gas imports. And secondly, European countries have done a remarkable job in filling in their physical gas reserves in anticipation of the winter. The result, the continent basically made it through the coldest months without having to fundamentally test the resolve against the sanctions placed on Russia. They just didn't need the excess gas. Moving forward, though, the continent recognizes the need to dramatically shift their infrastructure. And they're doing this in a couple of different ways. The first is by changing who they buy gas from. For instance, the amount of liquefied natural gas that the continent is procuring has doubled over the past year. And LNG can come from anywhere. Bahrain, the United States, it hasn't completely made up for the Russian supply, but LNG will play a big part of the energy independence that Europe is seeking. Take Germany again. Chancellor Schultz declared at the end of last year that the country would have four new LNG terminals operational in 2023 in order to make up for some of the shortfall from the lack of Russian gas. That's remarkable. During non-crisis times, it can take a decade or more to develop, permit, construct, and commission one of those facilities, but Germany's doing four in about a year and a half. But new supplies of gas are not the only part of the equation. The other part is shifting to other fuel sources where possible. The good news from a climate and energy transition perspective is that this has resulted in a mass wave of electrification projects that surged forward last year. 
The European heat pump market, for instance, surged by 40% in 22 as compared to only an 11% growth rate globally. Homeowners and commercial buildings recognize the need to shift to electric-fueled heat rather than rely upon gas central heating. The other clean energy shift was an acceleration of renewable energy projects. The International Energy Agency projects that the Ukraine war has accelerated the transition to renewable resources by 85% compared to the last five years, which is 30% higher than their estimate before the war. And this is coming on the back of rising raw material prices and supply chain constraints that have affected near-term growth of renewables in areas such as the United States. The European Union revised their target for renewable generation by raising their ambition from 40% renewables by 2030 to 45% renewables by the same year. But it's not a completely rosy picture either. The IEA estimated that coal consumption in Europe grew by 7% as the continent shifted from natural gas generation back to domestic coal power. The reliance upon coal is likely to come down as the continent builds up their gas infrastructure and grows their renewable energy supply, but the blip is concerning in the near term. And the effect of the war on gas prices can't be ignored either. Shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine, gas prices soared on the open market. Prior to the invasion, European benchmark prices hovered around 80 euros per megawatt hour. That number spiked to almost 350 euros per megawatt hour by August of last year. And that implication is global. Gasoline prices in the U.S. were down below $2 at the start of the war and spiked to over $5 on average by June of 22. California saw gasoline prices higher than $7 in some areas. Electricity prices followed suit. The average increase in electricity utility bills for U.S. homeowners in 2022 was 14.3%. And in particularly gas-intensive areas such as in New England, utility bills surged by over 60%. That has an implication across the economy. Shipping and freight, industrial manufacturing, consumer spending habits, all were affected by a surge in natural gas, gasoline, and broadly energy pricing. The good news? By January of 2023, those natural gas prices had retreated back to a quote-unquote normal range. That natural gas benchmark price that had spiked to 350 euros per megawatt hour was back down to 73 euros per megawatt hour, below where it had been prior to the war. And with additional infrastructure being constructed to alleviate the supply problems in Europe, the hope is that the gas market can stabilize again and provide not only energy security, but also a clear path for Europe as a transition to an energy future that isn't reliant upon imported energy. Russia, for their part, continues to try to find markets for their excess supply of natural gas and oil. Relatively neutral countries such as India, China, or the aforementioned Hungary and Slovak Republic, they continue to purchase energy from their Russian neighbor, but they're doing so at a steep discount to what the energy would have received in the broader market. Euro's oil is now selling at about a 50% discount to Brent crude, which is, I guess, great news for the buyers of that oil, who presumably are comfortable covering their eyes to the atrocities in Ukraine in exchange for a few million dollars off their energy costs. But Russia is starting to feel the pinch. The Center for Research in Clean Air estimates that Russia is losing $175 million a day due to the decreased purchasing and discounted pricing, which means the sanctions are working. They're hitting Russia in the pocketbook, while fortuitously, rapidly accelerating the pace at which the broader European continent is transitioning to cleaner energy. 
exactly what the sanctions were meant to do in the first place. I'm Paul Schuster, and this has been your 8 Minutes. Thank you.